ting tang, walla walla wing bang. Here we go. This is our episode of No Pointers of this week, and we're your hosts, Gerald, Mark, and Stephen. And today we'll be talking about resiliency in mobile apps. So stay tuned. But as always, before we start talking about resiliency in mobile apps, well, we're not always talking about resiliency in mobile apps, but we always do have some news. So Mark, tell me, after our last episode, did we at least get a DM? Do we have one listener that we now have to send something? Well, it seems we do have one very faithful listener from yes. all the way from down under. So I guess it just took its Crikey. time. Crikey. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I won't even try to imitate Australians. I'll just be yeah, very rude from my end. But it seems that our dear friend, and I hope I pronounced this name properly, Lachlan Gordon, sent us a DM all the way from Down Under. And since then, I can't get that song out of my head. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, then we have to actually come up with the prize. I did not suspect that. Um, <laughs> no, of course, we will get something because, you know, we, we said it. So we'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Stay tuned. And um, um, we'll figure something out on the next episode. Um, or maybe the one after that. It might take some time. So, but other news. I think there is some Apple news. I just, just now read that uh, there are rumors, it has been rumored before, the Apple Watch, I think we're at number seven, will have a glucose meter. So, you know, you can measure all the sugars in your blood and things. And uh, I think that's especially comes in handy for people with diabetes. Um, so I think Scott Hanselman will be very happy whenever that happens. Um, so that will be cool. And so there's, I'm just going to make this Apple news here, there, I'm going to do it. Um, The other thing I've read today is uh, about your precious iPhone 12, Mark, is that Mm. you should not hold it too close to your pacemaker uh, because the magnet in there might interfere with it and uh, you might die. So, you know, on the one hand, we have an Apple device that uh, will save your life. And on the other hand, you have an Apple device that will kill you. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds... It's all in balance. Yeah, that sounds like balance. Yeah, so so good thing I don't have any shirts with a pocket at the front. But I did notice that magnet is actually quite strong. So I have the uh, leather casing also for it, and I can put it on a whiteboard and it will stick. And it will. It's not like move. you're 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 calling and you you go like past the yeah. lamppost and it's like clunk. No. Yeah. No, uh, exactly. It's okay. exactly yeah. like that. It's like in okay. one of those. Fun movies. No, but I thought that was quite interesting because I'm now using it more often than you would think because having something that's magnetic is actually quite useful in certain situations. So like if I'm in my home gym, I can just uh, put my phone to a bar and it's always on a certain height so I can see how much time has passed. Oh my goodness, you can just... Put it in front of your face, and then whenever you lift, you can just watch a show while you're doing it. Yeah, that's that would probably be more face slapping, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I could do that. <laughs> Until it falls down, then yeah. Until it falls down, and yeah, yeah that that will uh, be cracked, Mark, and probably not yeah. cracked iPhone because they made a super durable front-facing mm-hmm. thingy. Yeah, 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 and it will be you know Face ID will never work again because your face will be <laughs> yeah. all deformed and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but talking about magnetic stuff, um, more Apple news because it's also rumored that for the next MacBooks, the MagSafe is coming back, which is mm-hmm. so goodbye USB-C again. Um, and or well, maybe they do both. Let's be optimistic. Yeah. 
Uh, and also, like the SD slot is coming back, and maybe you know the headphone jack. Who knows? Yeah, it seems like it seems like someone left Apple. Maybe some person going by the name Johnny Ive. I don't know. Maybe he left, and since then, some engineers have got some back the rudder and go like, but you know, an SD card slot would be so nice, you know, because if I if I have a camera, it usually comes with an SD card where it stores the data on it. And if I would have an SD card slot, I could just put it in my machine without having to buy a dongle. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm really a bit curious what will come of all these rumors, especially the MagSafe. I thought it was something quite cool, uh, stumbling over those cables. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it will just be a USB-C plug with a magnetic thing in it. We'll see. We'll see. I'll be keeping my eyes open for those news. Yeah. And uh, in other news, since we're all still in lockdown and all that good stuff, fitness is going to be kind of an issue. And I actually read today that Apple is going to release something new in their Fitness Plus thingy, um, which is called Time to Walk. And it's basically, it allows you to listen to, um, well, a story told by a celebrity. And most 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 notably, Dolly Parton in this case. But that's a, <laughs> that's a good reference for people from... Uh, 10 years ago and the story will only play if you're walking i mean that would be mean so people go like in circles oh that would homes. be great i need to build this app you actually need to be walking that is a great idea Mark. And the slower oh and the slower you go we could do, we could do yeah. an app you know the slower you go the slower the sound goes so so you can even make a, a pace making app with that i i like the idea oh yeah. my gosh then we would have dolly parton go like Wonder upon a time there was a princess that was going that would be awesome. We yeah. should totally do that. Yeah, I'm sure there must be some Xamarin Community Toolkit plugin which will just work out of the box to this. Absolutely. Okay, so this was no pointers until next week. We are going to yeah, build. We are now coding. Oh, no, no. oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so okay, but all of this, you know, all the Mac safe stuff, uh, especially on a MacBook, you know, that was designed that whenever you trip over the wire, that you do not break your MacBook by knocking it off the table, which makes it a very resilient device. So talking about resilient devices, maybe the apps on it need to also be resilience. Let's talk a little bit about that, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. So, Stephen, why should we care? Why? Should we get that resiliency? Because people do not like it when their app crashes every five seconds. Ah, that okay. Is, Noted. That is it. Next topic. No one <laughs> likes that. Boom. Nah. Next. Done. That that is like it is the 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 gist of it, right? I mean, if if you open an app, you just install it, it crashes within minutes of usage. You're probably just gonna delete it, right? At least I would. I, uh, I typically don't have the patience to deal with that kind of stuff because for most apps, there there's always an alternative somewhere uh, lying around that does the exact same thing. And if that doesn't crash, then I'll move over to that one. Yeah, well, it kind of depends on what you're doing, right? Like if, if you're exploring Obviously. something for a new app, then yes, there might be multiple uh, alternatives. And whenever you have one that crashes a couple of times on you, you you know, after one time you think like, okay, that can happen. I'm a developer. I understand these things two times, three times, and then you're, okay, I'm done. One star, throw it away. Uh, but, and then you go find the next one. But, you know, for Twitter, for example, I, there's multiple clients, I think, but, you know, there, at least I, it, it works great, mostly. Uh, I've never had any big issues with it. Uh, and you just keep using that anyway. Well, at least I do. Uh, so, you know, unless it's like from a, one of those very big 
tech companies, then then you're probably going to use that one. But the, the quality of that will also be um, ginormous, typically. So you know that will not be an issue. Uh, but yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And it's kind of funny how um, I've I've given a talk about this a couple of times, like more in context with something that we've spoken before too as well. Like you know with the the connectivity, whenever your internet drops and whatever, we're probably going to talk a little bit about that. But um, and it's funny how people have higher expectations whenever something is a mobile app uh, as opposed to something being a desktop app. There, people seem to be more forgiving, um, which is also in line with someone I've I've talked to at some point. Like um, we were just before this episode, we came into the studio and we were talking about, you know, pricing your apps, yes or no. And for a mobile app, one euro, one dollar is already a lot. And people are like, well, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but then... You have the Mac App Store where you can, you know, release your desktop apps. Um, and then whenever it's a dollar there, people are like, oh, just one dollar? Okay, here you have it. I'll try it. Um, and that kind of goes the same with like the crashes and the resiliency. That is that is kind of funny how that works. But uh, Mark, you probably have something to say about this as well. I do, perhaps. No, I thought uh, very good intro from you two. And I, I totally agree with you, Gerald, on the statement that uh, when you are the mobile developer or the front-end developer, whenever something happens, it could be the back-end, it could be the fifth-party back-end service that crashes, your app gets the blame if it doesn't handle that error correctly. Uh, so if, if you don't get a proper response, your app crashes, or you just show some gibberish results, um, the user will blame usually the app that is in front of him. It's to just say crap app, even though the app might not even be at fault. And another thing that I always uh, keep in mind when you think about resiliency, I think one thing is that you keep the user. And sometimes you are in the luxurious position of developing a enterprise app. So that means your users, they got nowhere else to go. And I think that's, I mean, that's, maybe even more important that you then look a bit out for your users and actually bring in the resiliency and the usability from the start because your users, they won't be able to just go onto the app store, download a different app and then use it. And I, I know I've been in the same situation where the uh, company that made uh, the time reporting application that I used that time in the company, they also made a mobile app. And I thought, oh, this looks cool. And it looked quite fancy, but it was so unusable that I I went down the Stephen route. I'll just call it the Stephen route. So I uninstalled it. And then one guy actually, uh, by random chance, we met and he asked me for my feedback. And I just said, well, just make it work. That would be like really nice so that I could actually do the stuff that you, that you want to do. And uh, yeah, so I showed him a few things on there. But I just think that's for me why resiliency is so important when you think about the app that users can use it if there's some hiccup it will continue to go on it will maybe inform the user that something happens but it will not just crash and go away and show you your wonderful desktop wallpaper yeah and it's then that begs the question right i mean how do you do it correctly because i download a lot of apps uh, samples in 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 github and all that stuff and none of them actually well handle all this stuff because it's a demo no one really likes to to implement all of this for a demo because yeah it's it's just it can be really complex really quickly i mean you're dealing with all kinds of different types of failures like you already said 
uh, network errors, maybe some some data errors or inconsistencies, um, just some some random OS bugs. They also happen, um, and it's it just makes putting this into sample apps kind of kind of useless, obviously. Um, and I I have to admit I haven't really seen a lot of samples that actually specifically go into this kind of stuff. So if we if we were to go on the internet, where where would we start? That is a good question. Yeah, so I think a lot of these things come down to I, I just mentioned like I did a talk on this. Um uh, the recordings can be found on my YouTube channel. Um so but you actually have to do like a talk on this subject or something, right? Or find something. And then still it will focus on just one aspect showing you um the thing that they want to show you like hey this is one scenario here an exception gets thrown and that's the thing right um so it's it's hard to find actual examples of um yeah real applications that really use it in a proper way um all throughout the app and you know servicing things from a service layer all the way up to um your ui and that kind of stuff um and i'm guilty myself i mean not Definitely none of my samples have any resiliency stuff unless they're focusing on resiliency. Uh, because, you know, on the one hand, people really like to learn about this specific thing that you're telling them right now. Um, but on the other hand, you know, uh, they want to see also full examples, just end to end all the things working. So it's kind of hard to find a middle ground between that but um yeah so where do you go I, I don't know i think there is you know if you look at like on github um there is a couple of if we if you look at like the xamarin stuff there are a couple of like the showcase applications like you had that what was it hotel 360 or something um and then you had the one mainly by james montemagno i think that that was that conference app um so you know there's there's a couple of those good ones out there um, that will um, show you a, a full-blown app with, with all kinds of features, but maybe maybe one of you knows one of them? Honestly, no app just comes to mind on this uh, that you could look up on open source. And I think you touched a quite interesting point there, Gerald. I think most demos, they just leave out the resiliency part because usually you want to show the user how do you make a fascinating UI or how can you super easily connect to your backend using technology X, Y, and Z. And putting the error handling code into there, it just will bloat the uh, message that you want to bring over how to interact with these things. So I think oftentimes these resiliency things, they are just something people assume you know how to do and then you just put them into your app. I mean, it's logical, right? I mean, the app will fail at some point or something might go wrong. And I always like to tell people if they are new to developing or stuff like that, like always think about your app having some kind of outer shell. So whatever you do with the outside world that is not directly your app, assume that it could have something going wrong. And by going wrong, uh, you touched on the topic before there, Gerald. It could be the internet going down, uh, but it could also be different stuff. I mean, we were on a mobile phone. It could be that your GPS stops working or the user went into the settings and went super paranoid and said, oh, no, this app is no longer allowed to know my position. All these things, they can happen. And you just have to be prepared that if you are expecting that you get an image from the camera, that the camera will just go like, whoops, no image today, and your app will then not... or and your app should then not just go up in flames and crash. I think that is one of the 
very important things that I can think about. And there's other things that um, are generally just points that usually fail. I think another one is async. Um, I don't know how it's with you guys, but every time you put an async block in your code, it could be that that thing just runs for five minutes and five minutes waiting on something to complete is not very user-friendly. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like you said, right? So I'm I'm building an app. I hope to someday deploy it to a store, and I'm I'm just crossing all these things off my list, right? So just making sure everything is is adequately try catched and and all that stuff locked into a uh, into an error handling system that I at least have a log of something going wrong somewhere, because just try catching and leaving catch empty, well, it works. I mean. Yeah. No. No problems here. No. No more crashes. Um, yeah. No crashes. That's what we all want. Um, but yeah, like like you said, uh, something like a database going wrong, or or pictures, or um, locations, all these things. And it's, I think, if if you just look at all these little bits that your app consists of, and just go by them one by one, sort of methodically, um, you should at least end in a sufficient direction i would hope at least i hope i will <laughs> that's for sure yeah i think wrapping stuff in try catch is a, a good thing to do especially if an exception is to be expected uh i know i <clears throat> i have used client libraries in the past where when the call fails to get a 200 from the api the client library would just blow up and throw an exception and I think if you if you just like, uh, there are many scenarios that you can go through on the mobile. We touched on some, but I think if you look at the internet connection, which is something a lot of apps have, a lot of apps will talk to a backend. And there are some common scenarios that you must expect that will happen. So one thing can be that you're offline. So you've got no, da no data coming from the backend. What will you do then? You could use a caching mechanism, something like that, uh, to just enable your user to use your app, but you might then want to warn your user, hey, the data that I'm presenting you right now in your app, it might not be the most current version that you do expect because I'm offline right now. So I'm presenting you some cached data. And the other thing that can happen is that you are asking for a resource that's not there. So you get some 404 or generally your request is bad because you might have an outdated app or something. Uh, the server might have a problem with a 500. And another uh, scenario that can happen quite frequent is that you get a 403, which means uh, your authentication token usually has expired. So you probably have to refresh it or the user has to Reauthenticate again because the refresh also did not work because he didn't use your app for whatever reason for a couple of months. And those scenarios, they, I mean, if you go through them in your head, you can see that they are some very common ones. And so you can sort of prepare for that and you can look to it that your app will then react in the right manner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we already talked about, you know, um, also libraries that can help you with that, like uh, 
Poly, for instance, lets you define a couple of policies that you can do uh, because the, the, the things that you mentioned, like these are all exceptions and scenarios that you as a developer can, you know, you can you can reason like why things are happening and what a good thing would be to uh, maybe recover from that or, you know, maybe it's non-recoverable um, and not bother your user with that because, you know, the easiest type of error handling is indeed put a try-catch on it. Um, in the catch, just say to your user, pop some kind of dialogue and say, hey, something went wrong, please try again, um, which is kind of, you know, if you need to do something quick and dirty, that is like the easiest way, but not typically the most um, the best user experience. Um, so another thing, you know, whenever you talk about that token, um, whatever you could do is like, you know, try to actually refresh it, um, see if that works, maybe retry that a couple of times if that makes sense in your scenario. Um, and only, you know, as a last resource, go back to your user and say, hey, we couldn't do the thing. Um, please log out, log in, do whatever to, to recover from this scenario. Um, I think I don't have much experience with that, but I think things that can really help you with this as well is like Rx, like the, the reactive kind of thing model. I think, Mark, you, you have some experience with that, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I like to sprinkle the reactives into my apps. Uh, yeah, so with, with reactive extensions, you also get some nice tools how you can handle errors and you can do it in a link style fashion so you can just say which exception types you want to handle and then register a method for that and uh, your your app will work or continue working and once you dealt with the error you can then deliver back a default object or a an object from cache that would then allow your user to continue and you said it before i think what's really important to do is to let the user know when something happens so don't try to be super smart and uh, do uh, try to make some magic tricks happen and present him data and not informing him that hey something might have gone wrong. Uh, you might want to retry it. Uh, here you got some here you got some data that I think will help you for right now. So you you should always inform the user when something is going on. And I think Stephen, you you once had a. NuGet package for that, which now moved into the Xamarin Community Toolkit, the State Squid was originally named. Yeah, that uh, that could be used to at least cover a, a multitude of scenarios um, out of the box. So things going offline, things being empty, um, things erroring out on you. It uh, it allows you to at least define some sort of visual hierarchy in those events. Um, so that that is definitely something that I am applying at least uh, also in my own app, and yeah, but that's that's just purely visual, right? I mean, you still will need to write your own plumbing around that when what happens, um, what to show. Well, but that is that is important too, right? Because I understand what Mark's saying. So whenever things are starting to go bad, then you want to inform your user. But the other hand, I think whenever things are not going to start going bad, um, you know, whenever you're loading your application and there will always be some lag or some loading. So, you know, because you will always go throughout the internet probably. Um, so you always have some time, some kind of delay to actually um, get the data. Uh, and and to, to overcome that, you might want to show already some cache data because again, here you can choose to, you know, just show your user like an empty screen with a loading spinner thing, like, hey, we're loading things, which is, again, a kind of more 
air quotes lazy thing to do, which is, you know, totally fine. Uh, but I think a more user friendly, if you look at like the, the Facebooks and the Twitters of this world, they will present you with some kind of cache data that they already have. And then in the background, go out over the big bad internet, get new data, um, load that in the background, refresh that list, and then show that uh, new information to the user as well. Maybe some indication that, hey, new data has actually been loaded right now um, and you, you you know you click that thing to to scroll all the way to the top and see all the new things in your timeline so um, not maybe that much resiliency but I think the whole resiliency loading data caching data also um, has a lot to do with like user experience um, and you can you know trick your user a little to make your feel uh, your app feel a little bit more responsive and, and snappier than it actually might be yeah, I think that's a really nice site benefit. So we said it before, if you cache data locally, when something goes wrong with your connection or you're offline, you are not so dep- your app can still be usable perhaps to to make certain stuff. I mean, sure, if your main goal of the app is uh, sending messages or, or receiving information and you always have to be online, that might be limited. But even uh, in a case like Twitter, if you work with a cache, you can... You can uh, let the user interact with your app while you're loading data. So I think that's like an added benefit that you get when uh, dealing with these uh, resiliency scenarios. So not only will your app become more user-friendly, but you will also enable certain scenarios for the user that otherwise he would just be looking at a spinner, which uh, I totally agree with you, Gerald. They are more fun things to do than watch a spinner going round and round and round and round. Well, uh, maybe just just keep watching it. It's like that 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 logo <laughs> like from the DVD player to see uh, if it ever hits the corner. Maybe maybe something. Yeah, happens. maybe just one day. Maybe one day it will get stuck and it will just. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. No, another another pattern that I sometimes use in my apps is uh, it's a circuit breaker. So we, you touched on that before. So if we retry to connect to the server and there are, there's actually even a state that the server can send you if it's got so much load that it's not handling any further requests. So I think at those points, it's sometimes good to back up your strategy. So you give, you make bigger delays between your retries. And another one could just be like, you stop retrying and you, the user then has to manually do the refresh until uh, data can be loaded again. I remember here, like Slack comes to mind um, when I use the chat app. It's it's a while ago since I last saw this message, but whenever you went offline, they tried to reconnect uh, quite quickly and then they would start to step back. And at a certain point, they just told you, hey, dear user, uh, push this button when you're online again. We'll stop trying to, to do this again. And I think these are like these, uh, yeah, points which you, might also want to do like you retry to connect to a service if it's down for too long you'll just inform the user hey uh, I'll just give up at this point uh, unless you tell me explicitly to to do this and that explicitly can also be your mobile app restarting so you will do the cycle again but at a certain point you just give up I think that's totally okay to stop retrying after a certain amount of tries. Never stop trying, Mark. Never stop trying. Okay, <laughs> so but we've talked a lot about now what we can do whenever some if this happens, and I think we have some super obvious scenarios like real real world challenges, like no internet. Maybe you know we're talking about mobile devices mostly, so it's going to be it could be super slow internet resulting in no internet uh, ultimately. Um, 
what what are other things that we can think about what are the like the real edge cases that we that you want to take into account whenever you're building something like this I think one of them that I at least also run into quite often is if you're caching your data. Um, it might happen also somewhere along the way that your data schema changes and maybe someone has some cache data on their device and the schemas don't match anymore. So if you were to deserialize, if you have it serialized somewhere on the device, if you were to deserialize that data, it would throw an error because it doesn't match what it's expecting anymore. So that that is one of those that I, um, it's, it's an edge case, obviously, um, but it does mean that you need to watch out for what you're, uh, what you're doing if you're changing around your models and just renaming some properties or moving some stuff around. Um, it, it might seem innocent, but it might not be once it hits production and people have been using your app before. Yeah. So that, that's one of them. And that's such a mean one, isn't it? Because as developers, we usually always delete the app constantly. So we never get that state of the app. And I have seen apps that go into a death spiral. So whenever they start up, they crash because they try to load the object and there's no exception handling around it because it's our it's our data. I mean, we we told it to, to stay like that and, and suddenly it changed. Uh, that's, that's a really good one. Another one that comes to mind is... Uh, the disk can sometimes be full. I mean, this happens so super rarely, but it, uh, I, I, I once had the case that someone managed to fill up his entire phone. And uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, the scenarios that you get when once your disk is full. I mean, the, the app will still load because that was work, but whenever you try to touch the file system, things will just get super interesting. Let's call it that. And I mean, you can't really do anything, right? I mean, the only thing that you can tell a user is, hey, I'm super useful as an app, aren't I? Why don't you go delete some of your other apps or some of your photos? Um, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's one. Uh, another one uh, that I've used quite a, a bit in, in a, an app that I did uh, last year is GPS. So GPS can be quite slow until it finds your position. And sometimes you can you can kickstart that by giving like a course location whether you where the user maybe last uh, has used the app and uh, also um, ha- yeah just just not uh, rely totally on the GPS because it could be that the user is right now in a building uh, where GPS does not work. Usually, when you work with the mobile libraries, they are quite smart. So if you uh, ask the your phone, please give me my position. It will not always rely purely on the GPS. It will use Wi-Fi so that it knows from nearby. That's why all the Wi-Fi points are get sent up to Google and the Amazons and the Microsoft so they can enhance this uh, experience for you. But it can still be that that uh, position will not come for quite some time. And I think it's uh, never a good idea when your app starts, the first thing you want to show is the user's position. And then you just let him look at a spinner for quite some time until he got his precise location. And that's again something that I that I mentioned before, right? So that's kind of like, you know, well, tricking your user might have this kind of like not so nice um, ring to it, but uh, just changing your UI a little bit around to not show them something with a map or a location instantly, unless, you know, you're a navigation um, app. But um, if you just push that back to, you know, a second screen or something like that, so you will give yourself in in the form of your app some time to actually get that GPS lock and um, 
um, yeah, show that data properly to the user instead of a spinner. Uh, that that's all. You know, it doesn't all have to be technical solutions to uh, um, overcome all these challenges. So yeah, that is a couple of great ones. I think also a couple that um, um, are in a lot of apps. Um, other things that is like for a low battery, for instance. I've um, worked on an issue with Xamarin Forms sometimes, where you know I think Android has some mechanism to automatically um, shut off animations or something like that whenever your battery gets low you know to um, um, reduce the cpu load um, and i think ios does some of those things as well you know it, it, it shuts down the, uh, some of the background processes and, and that kind of stuff um, so that's also things to be very aware of but you know if you have like this this super complicated app that does all this stuff uh, and you're just one person or, or a small enterprise or something, this is hard to, you know, you, you, you ideally want to test this with each new version that you release, right? And all the things. Um, so that is, that is almost uh, impossible to do. Uh, but yeah, these are definitely uh, a couple of things that you should think about. Um, yeah, I think those are very good points to keep in mind. Another one that I always like to point out when you start a project and you and you are in a super motivated team, you got people working on the back end, you got people working on that mobile device, and you're building this new API, just expect that brand new API to one day become an older API, and you then might want to make some changes, and you might even want to introduce some breaking changes. And I think even if you're working on the latest, greatest, and hottest stuff, please version your APIs, because if you don't do that from the get-go and you make a breaking change, Oh, it's so much joy to retrofit that, especially I know people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, personally. This, this, I've actually worked <laughs> with Stephen on a project where I don't know why, but they did not want to introduce versioning in their APIs. And it was just, you know, and that's actually coming. We're going for full circle here uh, because that's coming back to something I think, Mark, you mentioned earlier, like then stuff broke. And we were the ones breaking it, right? Because we are like the front end. People were seeing Obviously. that thing. So whenever something was broken, then, you know, it, it had to be us. Uh, it couldn't be the API. Um, so, you know, that that's always fun situations to deal with. And also something not very technical to deal with because, you know, it's just people management, basically. One of those things that I um, also kind of noticed um, developing libraries, for example, the Pancake View stuff, um, People expect, or well, hope at least, that you kind of support a lot of API levels. Like, please support Android 4 all the way up to, uh, I don't know, what are we? O, P, I, I don't even know what letter we're at at the moment. Um, but we're far along at least. Um, but yeah, it APIs change also on the Android and iOS side. So you may be calling into something that got deprecated at some point later in time, or maybe you're calling something um, that only exists in a newer version. And you'll you'll need to make sure that all of those kinds of statements are adequately if then with uh, all sorts of nice in-the-box statements uh, to check which version you're on, basically. And no, final alternatives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a bug here and it doesn't happen for you because you have different <laughs> versions. Yeah. I've, I've had a few of those to track in my lifetime. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, and with APIs, um, maybe one last thing, and it might be already quite obvious to you, dear listener, 
sanitize your input, clean the stuff that you get into your app, make sure that it is the stuff that you expect, uh, put some checks around it. And until you are not sure that what you receive from the backend actually corresponds with uh, what you are expecting, just treat it as it would explode any seconds. Um, I've always gone well with that one to just uh, have some checks around your input. Uh, it can be some very rudimentary checks, but just, uh, yeah, something could go wrong. Deserialization could go wrong, something like that. Uh, some users, they tend not to update their apps. They don't like auto-installing it. And uh, yeah, so you can't even expect your users, they might still be using a version that's five versions older than the current one. It, it happens. And yeah, it could be that your new backend will then deliver data to your app that the quite old version does not expect there. And it would then explode. And it might be then nicer to just inform the user that there's some problem with your backend or tell it that you might want to update. And with these wise words from Mark, this new <laughs> life experience that you now have, you should totally do this. All For of only us, nine ninety nine. Yes, you should do everything we we advise you on this show. That's basically what we're trying to say here. Um, and I think that wraps up this episode on resiliencies. We have been resiliencies, really. Okay, cool. We've been your hosts, Gerald Schleus, Mark Halibone, and Stephen Davison. Please let us know what are your experiences with resiliency on Twitter, nopointers.io. As it is clear, DMs are open. I can't guarantee that you will get any more prizes because, you know, we have a winner for that. But you never know. Slide us into our DMs and uh, we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Stay safe and until next week on No Pointers. Mm-hmm.